Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well, Today Helen and I were joined on the show by Lizzie Fraser who is CEO of QB Investing and she joined us all the way from Dubai. The interview was recorded close to International Women's Day and so that's the reference you can hear at the beginning of the conversation. And we also took a a deep dive into the subject of gender diversity. And Lizzie has some really good advice, both to women and also to men, uh, which could be followed in in property or indeed in business more generally. So I can promise you it's well worth a listen. Let's have a listen in right now. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Well, here we are again, Helen. Um, we've got another special guest on the podcast, and uh, Lizzie Fraser. Welcome to the Property Voice podcast and our Women in Property uh, series. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me on. More than welcome. And Helen, we better get you in early. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to speaking to Lizzie about her life as a property investor and developer. And I'm particularly interested because she's based in the UAE and I actually lived in Dubai for five years when I was a child. Oh, wow. That's a conversation Mm. starter, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So, Lizzie, um, I I guess I mean we normally try and start with a bit of a backstory and your background. And um, if you wouldn't mind indulging us a little bit. Uh, just sort of yeah. tell us a little bit about yourself and I'm sure the UAE is going to come into that at some point. Mm. Well yeah I'm originally from uh, the West Country so Somerset and Devon um, but I escaped when I was um, 18 and I went to university in London to study law. Um, I then qualified as a lawyer um, in London and then I got cold and fed up with the rain and the tube and having to pay large amounts of tax. Um, So I escaped then to sunny Dubai uh, where I carried on being a lawyer. Um, But then I got very interested in property and I started going to a property um, group on a monthly basis. And it's basically where we just have a few drinks and talk about nerdy property things um but anyway i got really into property and uh and so i thought right no this is going to be you know this is going to be my thing um so i started straight off the bat with trying to do um hmos um uh, my mom does actually have some hmos so it wasn't that crazy um but being an expat and also that being my first purchase meant that there was absolutely no way no any bank was going to lend me any money to do hmos so i then went down the conventional route of doing buy to let um i got a bit bored with that uh, a couple of years <laughs> later and started doing <laughs> property development deals so 10 of us uh, that were in this property group, we all clubbed together and we thought, right, we'll pull our funds together, we'll pull our experience and our skill sets together and we'll do some property development deals. So we did. Uh, The first one we did was um, a renovation, simple renovation of a house in Leeds. 
Um, and we found uh, quite quickly that it was actually very hard to do property development when you're a thousand miles away from the property that you're developing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we then started uh, doing joint ventures with uh, property developers on the ground. Um, and then sort of friends and family kind of said, oh, you know, how do, how do we get involved? Uh, so three of us sort of broke away and we started up a business where we, yeah, we, we JV with um, property developers in the UK and we, um, we invest ourselves and we also get um, investors from the UAE to invest in these projects as well to, to enable them, you know, to be able to invest in these projects without having to be on the ground. So yeah, that's sort of my life in a nutshell. Well, that's an elevator pitch. That's that's amazing. Uh, so um, wow. So you, okay, let's just back up a little bit. So information overload. I realise yeah, absolutely. I'm just just I'm curious. That's all. Um, so the 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 lawyer side of it. So you trained as a lawyer and you worked in 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 legal practices, I guess, or legal firms. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was a banking lawyer to begin okay. with, and then I became a hotels lawyer. Was that was that a woman's world? Um, not really. <laughs> Actually, no. I, I lie. At at the entry point, so when I was a trainee, our intake there was sixty of us in our, in in my intake, um, and it was fifty fifty then, uh, ladies to men. Um, it was fantastic. It was like being at university again, but with a little bit more money. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but as as you sort of progressed up the up the um, you know through the ranks, women did start to drop off, and I think it's because, especially around about you know when 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 people start having families, because um, you know I'm in a transactional um, legal role, so it's it's very hard to do sort of part time. Or you know, pick up the children. You know, you are you know very much in you know in work for however many hours it takes to complete the deal, whether you have children or not. So I think it can be quite a hostile environment if you have small children. So I think that's why you see women quitting the law um, definitely round about the sort of childbearing age, which is sad. Um, I do think it's changing, but uh, yeah, it's definitely got a long, long way to go. Yeah, I think uh, the legal profession, I mean, I, I, often I'm speaking to, I, I mean, I've worked alongside um, lawyers in corporate land and ha- had engagements, obviously, with a number of solicitors and lawyers, generally speaking, in you know, uh, service providers. And it, it's amazing sometimes the early start and the late finish and just, you know, trying to, you know, when I was in a multinational company and we're trying to close a deal, you know, people were just there until the dead of night sometimes. So obviously it makes yeah. it extremely difficult for anyone who's got, a, you know, commitments outside of the workplace and, and oh, children. So, um, so I think my worst, oh, I was just going to say, I think my worst hours were coming in on a Tuesday morning at 8.30 and not finishing till 1am on Thursday. That was Oof. pretty brutal. Well, that, sorry, that was, that was a tricky. Sorry, Helen, you jumped in. Carry on, carry on. <laughs> I was just going to say that that would be, you know, virtually impossible to arrange childcare for, wouldn't it? It's just exactly. not practical. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> no. So I was going to follow up on that. Is is that was that part of a, a trigger or a catalyst for you to make a move into a, an alternative career slash business environment with property? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, but I also had this kind of overwhelming need to 
do something for myself. I mean, as a lawyer, you you spend all your time making other people rich. So, you know, I really want to do something for myself. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why I, yeah, I moved into property. Excellent. Well, I mean, just and also to clarify on your sort of just so people have got a picture of of you, if you like, uh, you know, a, a, an image. You have a young family, don't you? Yeah, I have a five months old and I have a 22 month old as well. So two under two. Um, challenging. Well, I mean. <laughs> Well, you know, when Helen, Helen, I'm sure, can add to it. I mean, we're having, we we recorded the intro to this series uh, on Friday, which is a relevant day, obviously, um, and it will go live this Wednesday, so it's not out yet. But in the conversation that Helen and I had together, we were talking and, you know, we're wondering if there's a distinction between, let's say, um, you know, women in property and women with children in property and and whether, or, or in business in general. Um, would you say there's a distinction when, when people have children? And I'd, I didn't mean to make it a sexist comment about um, women with children. It's anyone with children. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of put some barriers and um, obstacles in our way, perhaps, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I think you have to become 10 times more efficient and very, very good at, at time management overnight, basically. <laughs> Um, yeah <laughs> otherwise it just doesn't work um, but it, it also having 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 Jack also my first child my eldest is, is called Jack I mean when the day I gave up work was the day that I turned 40 weeks pregnant um, and then I had Jack and that actually gave me the courage to, to leave my job in the law and go into property so I also think that women with small children are kind of women on a mission as well so, you, know, you get this kind of I don't know, this energy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know if you find that as well, Helen. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree, Lizzie. Um, I, I'd thought about, uh, I mean, yeah, friends of mine will tell you from probably around the early noughties, um, I was talking about having a portfolio lifestyle and wanting to have my own business. But it was only when I had my daughter seven years ago that I actually took the steps to make it properly happen because mm. all of a sudden I had a, you know a burning desire and, and reason to do so so yeah it can be a positive catalyst for change definitely mm. yeah I mean I think we, we when we go into property there's there's always a reason why let's say a purpose for us mm. doing it and it's not just because we want to be a full-time property developer or something necessarily it's um, you know some people it is because it's a pure passion for buildings or interior design or other elements of the of the industry. But I think for many people it's um, it's it's what you can get out of it, and one of those things can be the opportunity to perhaps uh, choose your hours and working style, maybe more so than than in some yeah. other business sectors. Yeah, completely agree, and and it's also that that um, you know eventually, hopefully, you know you'll have a big enough portfolio, or you'll have somebody else to run your business, and you'll actually be able to spend more time with your children. So that kind of golden carrot is 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 very much. <laughs> I'm chasing it at the moment, you know, because I know that that's something that I want later on in life. So, well, talking of later on in life, you mentioned that your mum owns some HMOs. 
So when you decided to go into property yourself, um, was property something that was very much in your family background? And was what is it that you love about property and and why did you decide to to go into it? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, my mum's made a very successful business out of um, out of running HMO. So obviously I, I saw that and thought, well, okay. So she's she's she seems amazing at this. Maybe maybe I can I can be amazing at this too. Um, but also I just it just I just believe in the fundamentals behind property as well. You know, I think it's a great asset class, especially in the UK with the housing shortage. And you know you've got demand completely outstripping supply. So you know I think it's a very you know, I think everyone should have a um, part of their um, investments in 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 property. So. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's bricks and mortar. It's always going to be there. Um, I also like some of the designs and uh, some of the things, the creative strategies that you can do with property these days. You know, it's it's not just sort of the traditional buy to lets. It's you know, you can do HMOs, you can do co living, you can do retirement houses, you can do commercial to resi. It's just such an interesting um, area, I think, um, and it's backed up with sort of. You know, sensible investing as well. Very true, very true. And so, just tell us a little bit about this. Um, actually, do you know so much you said in your intro? It's actually intriguing me. You know, the fact that you what you started a networking group, then you all got together, ten of you, um, club together. Yeah. I think you said, didn't you? And um, yeah. you was it was it the Leeds property that um, you went for the first time? Did you say? Yeah, it was. Yeah, we just did a, a quick six week makeover on a Leeds uh, property and we actually made I think it was around about 20% return on investment within sort of six weeks so that was that gave us a, a good you know yeah. it gave us kind of thirst to, to progress and was that was that an, a flip yeah no it was a very quick yeah yeah it was oh, just right. a flip six weeks that's that's amazing to be honest yeah it took a little bit longer to sell it but the uh, but the renovation was done within six weeks and we actually got a sell i think within three four months but because of the issues on not being able to mortgage it uh, for six months um we had to wait until the six month deadline was up and then we could sell yeah i was wondering about that part um the six month uh, mortgage rule it perhaps uh, it dictates yeah. the pace doesn't it but uh, i guess yeah. um, I guess it, it takes it takes us a little bit into maybe some of the highs and lows because um, it sounds like you you said you learned some uh, some lessons as a result of that first project that you did together collectively. Yeah, completely. I think you know being being so far away from from the development was was really challenging because you know you you haven't got your eyes and ears on the ground. We didn't at that point have a trusted team in place, so we were completely relying on you know what our project manager was telling us. Um, I don't think it was the best renovation um, that's ever been done. Um, I think it was uh, sort of cheap and cheerful and, and and the people doing it probably cut some corners, but it was an absolute great learning curve. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, and, and, and after that deal, we sort of regrouped and we said, right, okay, Obviously, the remote thing isn't working until we have a, a you know a decent team in place to to carry out these developments. So why don't we just try and do some joint ventures with with some people on the ground? So that's that's how we went forward. 
And so you you shifted your your approach after that, and we started partnering, as you say, with uh, developers on a joint venture basis. Yeah. 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 So you you you're still in Dubai at this this point, are you? Yeah, yeah, and I'm still in, I'm still in Dubai now. So so basically, what we do, if you're wondering how how the kind of structure works, is um, yeah, we do joint joint ventures with um, the property developer, and our role is to kind of do a lot of the due diligence, and we do a lot of the structuring. Um, and we get the investment as well, um, and the property developer basically carries out the property development. Wonderful. And so how do you find the uh, development partners, generally speaking, or do they find you? Uh, so I spent uh, the best part of six months last year flying back to the UK, um, sort of every couple of weeks to meet up with developers and I need to meet up with people you know three four five six times before you know I I actually want to start doing business with them because I think it's so important that when you're starting to do joint ventures that you do it with people that share you know the same values as you do who you get on well with who work in the same way as you do um, so I've, I've met so many developers um, and I probably, you know, probably met about 50, I would say, or maybe 60, um, but I probably only work with a handful of them, not because the others are, you know, um, uh, substandard, but just because these handful of people are ones that have, you know, consistent, the same values and, 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 and are people that I think we could have long lasting relationships with. So, yeah, it's been tough finding them, but I think once you find them um then then it's it's a relationship for a long time or touch what it is <laughs> i think that's that's really interesting to hear that lizzie because that's something that richard and i talk about quite a lot really isn't it richard about values the importance of of shared values mm -hmm. um and i noticed on your linkedin profile um uh, and this is something else that i was talking about with richard the other day that you say you state explicitly that you specialize in bringing high quality ethical and transparent uk property development deals with excellent yeah. returns to investors and i was wondering i'd love to know what you think about this lizzie i think that it seems to me that women in property seem to be more upfront about saying you know i want to give my investors excellent returns but i also want to do good Oh, completely. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's my, at the forefront of my company is, is, is the values of tra being transparent and being ethical and just being completely honest with people from, from, from day one and being, you know, talking about the risks, talking about, you know, when things go wrong, making sure that you've got that constant communication. That's so important for me, especially sort of being an expat in Dubai, you get targeted by a lot of sharks. Um, you know, selling you products which, you know, I wouldn't even wish on my worst enemy. And, you know, I really do think that there is a gap in the market to just, you know, produce decent quality, transparent deals. I mean, we we say no to the majority of deals that come to us. Mm -hmm. um, the, the 
the main reason why we say no is it is a lot of deals fall down on um, profit margin. We we have a minimum of at least twenty five percent on GDV has to be pure profit, mm-hmm. and anything below that just gets a big fat no from us. Just because I think we're in, we're in uncertain times, and I need that buffer just in case anything goes wrong. So you know that you know we've, we've got strict investment criteria which we will just not compromise on. And that you know if you're using other people's money, you just cannot. You know, you, you cannot you cannot take risks. You've got to try and mitigate, you know, as much as you possibly can. And and to the extent that you can't, you need to be honest, and you need to make sure that they understand the risks that they're taking. You're so right. I think, uh, and yes, Helen, we are always talking about shared values and and, and those sort of principles. Ironically, um, I hadn't read uh, Ray Dalio. It's Ray Dalio, isn't it? His book Principles, and until I've just started reading it. Uh, literally, in fact, just before we came on this call. So I've already got as far as the intro. But in that, in short period of time in intro, he talks quite a lot about principles that he does business by, uh, which he's learned over decades, actually, and refined. Uh, and it's become a kind of a checklist or an algorithm to how he does business. Um, would you say you operate in a similar way, Lizzie, to that kind of thinking? Sorry, I haven't seen the checklist. <laughs> Well, okay, no, not me, to be honest, but I think it's the point of um, operating, you know, to some standards that you set for yourself and some principles and values uh, to help you oh, with yeah. decision making, really. Totally. And it it just makes it so much easier to have this criteria because then you can be consistent as well. Um, and I think that's so important. Absolutely. And that, you just touched on a point I wanted to follow up there. And Helen, by the way, just... But budge, budge me out of the way when I'm talking too much. But um, <laughs> you talk about consistency, and, and I think that's absolutely right. It's also authenticity, isn't it? It's being consistent and authentic to your real principles and values because you can't you can't fake it for too long, can you? No, no. And I'm and I'm not a fan of it. You know, some people say fake it till you make it. Well, I, that's not something that I'm comfortable with. And I think a lot of other women also share. I'm sure, and a lot of men also share this value. But I think that, yeah, as you said before, Helen, it's definitely something that that I see more often in women. Yeah, and I think um, I I have a gut feeling, and I and I I've seen with my own eyes that I think women sometimes have a, a less assertive sense of self-confidence but part of that is it is just being honest about you know I may I've always still got things to learn and I am experienced and you know I am this and I am that but you know there's always room for learning and uh, yeah I don't know if you would agree with that yeah I can I completely agree with that and I I just remember reading um Cheryl Sandberg's um book Lean In have you read that Helen no, I haven't. I've, oh. And I have been, it's been recommended to me. It's it's one that's on my list. Oh, it's it's absolutely brilliant. But she, she talks about um, how men and women, and she's generalizing, obviously, but how they see sort of job um, descriptions. So a man will look at a job description and go, whoa, I've got five out of 10. This is amazing. I've got a job in the bag. Woohoo, go me. Um, and a woman will look at it and go, okay, I've got eight, maybe nine out of 10, um, but I haven't got 10 out of 10, so maybe I'll just let this one go. And, and I think that is so true. And, mm. and I, you know, it's, I just think that we need to, to lean in a bit more. And I, 
I know it's hard. And, I, and one of my friends, who's a, who's a very experienced property developer, um, she said to me the other day, she said, look, someone suggested that I do some mentoring. And I said, that's a, that's a fantastic idea. Why don't you do that? You'd be perfect for that. And she said, well, I don't think I'm qualified enough for that. And who would pay me to do that? And I'm like, you, you know, you know so much and you could provide so much value to people, you know, but you're, you're, you're somehow doubting yourself. And it's just, you know, you just want to, I just wanted to shake her because she's absolutely amazing and, and she would be amazing at that. So yeah, no, yeah. I totally agree. Um, but I do think that, you know, if, the best thing to do to sort of counteract that is is to network with other women in property as well because I find you know other women in property so supportive I mean the last time I was back in London we went out with 25 other ladies in property and it was just such an amazing lunch and I just went away feeling a million dollars and I'm also doing um two potential with um, two separate ladies from that lunch so you know the possibilities to collaborate and also an amazing support network um, and we're all pushing each other and making each other accountable so you know to see if I'm going to give any tips to anyone sort of starting out in the um, in the property industry just surround yourself with some really good female people in the industry because they they will be your support network yeah, I think um, Vanessa Warwick said the same thing when we spoke to her um, the other day. She said, you know, seek out other women in property. That would be one of her top tips because um, everyone uh, is, is very supportive. And I think, yeah, that's definitely my experience too. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, uh, and it's really nice to go from, you know, the corporate law industry where it's not quite so supportive. It's more of the um, stab you in the back when you're not looking. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> but, um, to then to go into the property industry and just have so many fantastic, inspirational women. Um, you know, it's, it's great. I'm, I'm sort of reluctant to step into this, but, you know, I think obviously uh, being the guy in the conversation, but I think... Um, you know, fundamentally, it's about like-minded people, you know, being with other like-minded people. So whether you're female or male, young or old, or starting out, experience, or turning around, etc., etc. I think if you can rub shoulders with people who are, you know, have the right attitude, same attitude and values as you, and maybe looking for the same sorts of outcomes, then it's a good place to be. And I so agree with you about looking to get accountability and support from, you know, sort of a common interest group. So that yeah. was that a specific group that you attend, Lizzie? Women in property is that a, a name, a thing? Well, we're thinking about maybe making it a thing. Um, actually, we all found each other on Instagram. Um, <laughs> we formed a little group, and then more people have just been added to it. So, you know, it's a very informal um, thing at the moment. But we were thinking about maybe starting something up. But I, I think that's so so. So you've hit the nail on the head, really, Richard, though. It shouldn't just be about the women. It should We should be also including the men and you know, everyone should be empowering each other. So and I think that's it's, it's important to get the men on board as well, definitely. Do you know there was, um, by the way, there is a women in property group. Um, Bindar Dosanj, if I've said her name correctly, I think she runs it. Um, so um, you probably have to think of a new name but um, <laughs> or join hers. But, you know, the, I think... Yeah. There is a group out there, but um, I think I was just, you know, more more making the point about 
Um, and see, so by telling you that, I've kind of lost my thread of where I was going to go with it. But it's about um, just supporting one another. And it, it, I think actually for women to get together and support one another is not such a bad idea. I think, you know, there are lots of women are coming through in the industry, in all industries, but there are some glass ceilings. And, you know, we men need to change our attitudes as well a little bit. What I was going to say, which really has just flashed into my mind again, was there was a forum post the other day about an event where the organizer said that he got a bit of pushback because apparently only 14% of the presenters were women. And someone pointed that out to, to him on International Women's Day. And his actual point was, well, I've gone for the value. You know, I'd never really thought about gender. And I thought that my point was, well, equal opportunities is about thinking about it at least. And so fair enough, if, if, if people are not prepared to attend, so the women who you invite weren't prepared to attend, weren't able to attend, then so be that. At least you tried. I think it's having these conversations. That's where I'm going. Having these conversations. I, I, I think he, I think whoever that is and also needs to look at their audience, because I went to an event recently where the audience was sort of 50 percent women, 50 percent men. And they had one lady who spoke during the event and the rest were all men. And it's just really disappointing being a woman in the audience going, come on, I just want to see some more, you know, females up, up on that stage because, you know, an impressive female is, is such an inspiration to me. And, you know, I, I just think, although they might think that they're providing, you know, better value by choosing the people that they chose, you know, it's also about, you know, thinking who who is the audience and, and, and what they're actually going to get from it as well. And I think, you know, if your audience is 50% women, then, you know, it's really powerful to have some strong women up there to to speak as well. Yeah, I mean, I think um, actually in the forum post, I think they said that there was a relatively equal split of men and women who would um, signed up to go to the event. So um, I agree with you. It'd be good to get the, the balance, which also represents the um, the audience. And uh, also that's part of the point of this series is to try and provide a bit of a platform, a bit of a voice you know, for, for, for women in, in particular in property. So we're very happy to have people like you on, on here, Lizzie, that's for sure. But I, I guess, you know, yeah. I don't know, Helen, if you were going to add to that, actually, before I was going to take it in a slightly different direction. Well, I was just thinking, uh, and you and I have had this conversation before, that awareness, you know, we, we, we do, we're all guilty of um, subconscious biases of, of various different types. But awareness of those is the first step in making positive changes. Yeah, so I think that's that's what I'd say. And hopefully that you know the, the that forum post will have made that event organizer um, think um, a bit more deeply about the next event they run. I also think if you've got women um, being part of these events, you get a more of a, a balanced view as well. I know that the research at the moment is coming out to say that. If you've got at least two women on your board, you know, companies tend to do to do better um, yeah. when you've got mixed genders. So, you know, obviously, and, and also if you've got um, ethnic minorities on as well. So it's, it's all about having that different perspective um, can really add to, you know, to your business or to the event that you're you're um, you're organizing or whatever forum it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So what I was going to maybe ask is, you know, have you faced particular challenges, would you say, because you're, you're a woman? Um, <laughs> yeah, in the legal world, I, mm. I have. I've definitely, uh, I've definitely been on the brunt of some comments, um, which probably weren't, weren't appropriate, but that was, yeah, that was back in the corporate world. I think in the property world, not, not as much. No, nothing that springs to mind. Um, as you mentioned before, Helen, I think there is, um, you know, subconscious bias, but um, nothing obvious at the moment. Just I've just noticed that, you know, when you go to events and, and things like that, that it is predominantly men um, who are speaking at them. Um, hopefully this this will change. But I, I don't think I've I've experienced any direct you know, discrimination. That's quite a strong word, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, we can use those, those sorts of terms. Um, but it's part of the, again, it's part of the conversation. So it's good, I guess. Because I think generally speaking, people in property do, do tend to have an attitude wanting to support one another, um, generally speaking, let's say. So um, maybe it's a slightly better environment. Um, I hope so anyway, but obviously this is me speaking, so uh, um, not you you two, so you're probably better equipped. I'd agree them. with you. Mm -hmm. I'd agree with that, Richard. Um, I've worked in, I've tended to work in a lot of male-dominated industries, um, but all my, you know, well, the vast majority of my dealings within property have, have felt like they're on much more of an, an even uh playing field a level playing field than that corporate world yeah completely although i did i, I watched the ted talk about a month ago and it was there this lady had done some research into um venture capitalists um or people pitching to venture capitalists and they said that you know the stats were that you know if, if you were a woman presenting you were so much unlike you know it's so much more unlikely to get the investment over a man. So it's we've still got quite a long way to go. It was actually quite a depressing TED talk. Um, oh no! Yeah, and it was actually um, men, male and female um, venture capitalists were making the same, um, the same sort of. They were both awarding less um, investment to ladies who are pitching. So. Again, I think like the women are probably just as guilty as the men in in in, in subconscious bias too. So, yeah. but but again, I think Helen, you make a really good point. It's all about awareness. So, just actually making people aware that they're doing this, then they can then change. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I think I saw similar research. It was like, was it one in ten? I think it was. Anyway, it was a lower, much lower percentage of women who were receiving funding, as you quite rightly say. Um, and, and a lot of that's yeah. kind of the culture of VCs and how it works. And maybe it's set up in a way that, you know, maybe there is subconscious uh, bias as you're talking about, but maybe it's just the environment's not really conducive to, you know, that kind, you know, a better and more engaging, holistic type of conversation. I think women bring so much richness really to, to conversation, to pitches, to business. They just think, think differently and think in a richer way. But, um, so just to show, I'm married to uh, a lady who works in HR in a very senior position. And, you know, she's she's in the boardroom and, you know, talking to uh, there's a couple. Of, in fact, the, the legal director is also female. But um, 
everybody else is male. And, you know, quite oftentimes they're having to say things, you know, to correct little things that the guys come out with. Um, so it's just <laughs> it's the modus operandi that is changing. It's the culture. It's the conversation. So, you know, she's doing her, her bit for sure. And uh, I'm very proud of the fact that she is. I'm very supportive of that. And I think, you know, again, part of this is just to raise the conversation. If we can start th being aware of our biases, that's the point I'm trying to make, because we all have them. We all have um, yeah. biases. So just get them out in the open a bit or at least become a little bit more self-aware. Yeah, so, no, completely agree. So um, I guess, you know, starting to point, look, at, look, look down track a bit. Obviously, you're, you're into uh, the property market. You, you're doing joint ventures with uh, I guess it's private investors and, and JV uh, developers or sorry, developers you're doing joint ventures with. What are yeah. you seeing, you know, for the future in the market? How is it looking for you right now from, from your vantage point? Well, I don't want to mention the B word, <laughs> but I'm going to mention the B word. Uh, that is a massive pain in the bottom over here, definitely. Um, uh, especially like the the deal that we've just uh, completed on, we actually launched um, we launched it, and then three days later, all this hype came into the market about the um, the vote on Brexit, um, and and all investors just went into hiding on lockdown. <laughs> um, so I think you know as soon as uh, Brexit is decided, you know one way or the other, you know it will that period of uncertainty will we'll, we'll know what's going on and, and, and investors can then feel comfortable making investment decisions again. So I think that's obviously very hard. Um, I think in terms of future direction, I think we're going to see a lot more in the in, in a lot more in by way of uh, modular housing. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be the only way that we can sort of combat this um, housing shortage. Um, I'm also in, very interested in the kind of co-living spaces at the moment. I think that's um, that's going to be a big trend, especially sort of around the um, the elder generation. Um, I'm not talking about people in in old people's homes, but you know people who are sort of 60s, 70s who who are able bodies, sort of wanting to to live in in co-living um, uh, establishments. That's, that's the wrong word, isn't it? Um, but yeah, you know, to combat loneliness, um, so I, I think that's something that, that, that we'll definitely be seeing a lot more of. I'm really interested in, in co-living, uh, Lizzie, and, and particularly in the potential that it holds for older people. And as you say, mm. eight, you know, active able-bodied people like, like my parents who are in their early 70s but so far away from needing like residential care or anything yeah um, but there's, there's so many elderly people who are hanging on in massive family-sized houses mm. um because there's no there's no real um i don't know appealing alternative i think that's yeah you know, yeah so I'd, I'd be really interested to uh, to talk to you about that sometime and also just to watch that space because, yeah, I think that's a fascinating subject. Yeah, we, we had – sorry, uh, sorry that, uh, Lizzie. We had uh, Greg Lindsay come and join us. I don't know if you've heard of Greg, but um, I think it's the Smart Cities Forum or something. Um, I can't remember. I'm terrible with my memory. But um, basically he came on uh, our last series, which was about prop tech. 
and he was talking about the whole co-living assisted living space you know being being you know coming out of the sort of mega trends of population growth and aging population and being mm. a, you know an area that people can go into but it, it's not just as you know it's not just a case of uh, putting a bunch of people together in a in a building and calling calling it co-living space for the elderly it's um there's a range of different adaptations and extra services, et cetera, that need to go in there. But I do think, you know, providing yeah. sort of this link between independent living and the social community, again, mm. research suggests that if you have social connection, you actually live longer. So um, you've yeah. got greater yeah. mental well-being. So I definitely think that's a great um, one to watch as well. I think, no, definitely. It's exciting, yeah. exciting area. And I guess, you know, just turning really towards, uh, the, again, the future and, and some of our audience who probably be keen to, to learn from you. Have you got any sort of tips and advice or general uh, learnings that you, you want to share with, uh, with our listeners out there, perhaps coming from the women in property angle, but not necessarily? I think uh, just, again, like, like Cheryl Sandberg says, lean in, just go out and, and, and do it. Don't procrastinate. I think I spent a lot a lot of time sort of reading every book that I could, listening to every podcast that I, you know, that was available. And and actually the best way to learn is actually going to do it yourself. So I think, yeah, just get up and go. I also think social media is amazing. Um, if you're not on social media, you should be. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, sharing, um, you know, you, the lessons that you learn as well as your successes. So I think, you know, it, it's very valuable to, to people um, who are reading what you're, you're writing. So, yeah, go make sure you're on social media and go out there and start doing property. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it might be useful, actually, if we've got time, uh, Richard. I, I don't think we asked Lizzie what, what her you know, biggest mishap was. So what's, you know... <laughs> I judged that one. <laughs> Not so fast. <laughs> right, biggest mishap would have to be. Okay, so it was one of my buy to let. Um, so after my HMO fiasco, when no bank would touch me with a barge pole, um, I was desperate to get rid of my money. You know, it was like it was burning a hole in my pocket. So I went to one of these companies um, that sort of, you know, not preys on um, expats, but, you know, sort of sell expats, mediocre investment properties. Um, and I bought an off-plan property and I didn't do much research. I just literally said, right, okay, here's my money. I'm, I'm going to do off-plan because I can just get rid of this cash. Um, and then when it came to completion, the value, um, it got valued at 50 grand under what it was supposed to be valued at. So then I had to go around trying to fill a 50K gap in my mortgage um, at the last minute. And yeah, very much has egg on my face, really. So yeah, that's probably my biggest and quite an expensive mishap. <laughs> it seems to be washing its face now, though. It seems to be doing okay now, but um, yeah was a bit painful at the time but I guess a follow-up from that and I think you've given the cue already perhaps in in some of the tips of the future is um you took something out of that experience didn't you 
yeah do your due diligence do yeah do your due diligence and then do your due diligence again and then get a friend to do your due diligence for you as well <laughs> it's quite funny isn't it helen because isn't that what uh, vanessa was saying to us just last week it was that was her number one um sort of lesson wasn't it do, do although it's almost impossible to say do your due diligence <laughs> and then do it again <laughs> Yep. And again, I think I saw that on your website. Um, and you can give us some contacts in a moment, by all means, Lizzie. I'm sure there'd be lots of people wanting to reach out to you. But um, I think I did see on your website, um, you know, the word due diligence maybe more than once. Yeah, I'm a massive fan of due diligence because that's, you know, I mean, so basically what I've, what I've done is I obviously did a lot of due diligence in, 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 as a lawyer. I was uh, doing a lot of sort of acquisition finance. Um, and a lot of DD came along with that. So I'm kind of doing what I've been doing as, as a corporate lawyer, but in the property um, world. So I'm I'm very keen on due diligence. God knows why I didn't do it on that one occasion. And it came to bite me in the bum. Um, but yeah, no, we, we, we literally annoy the developers so much to, <laughs> until they are nearly ready to kick us out. Um, but yeah, you know, again, like I said before, if you're using other people's money, you have yeah. to make sure that you've done your due diligence and you've mitigated every risk that you possibly can. So, yeah. Big fan of DD. Mm. Let's call it DD. I like that. We'll call it DD from now onwards. That's <laughs> Research. That's an easy one as well. But um, yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. I've always been uh, a proponent of that and some very valuable tips and lessons there. Um, I don't know if there's, I mean, and perhaps there's a bit of a cue, if there's anything that you wanted to offer to any, any of our listeners, uh, you maybe can think about that while we're talking, Lizzie, Helen, I don't know if you've got more to add, but I'm about to ask you perhaps how people can, you know, reach out to you and connect with you. But uh, before I do that, um, Helen, I don't know if there's anything you wanted to, to perhaps add. I just wanted to say thank you to, uh, to Lizzie. It's been really informative. Um, and uh, I guess I, I well, I should ask you, um, how, how do you buy us these days? I think I was there from 1980 to 1985. Uh, so I was six when we moved there and, and um, 11 when we got back. And it was, we lived on Jamira Beach and it was uh, pretty quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we live near Jamira Beach. Um, I think it's probably changed a lot. Um, yeah. We're out here, but no, I love it. It's, I mean... It's about 28 degrees at the moment, so the weather's perfect. Uh, guaranteed sunshine every day, lovely beaches, restaurants, and uh, I'm having a fantastic time. So while Brexit's raging on, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay out here. <laughs> Don't blame you. <laughs> Sounds like a nice place to be right now. This this week politically yeah. is going to be an interesting, interesting one. Yeah. So yeah. Lizzie, uh, to maybe cue you, up, cue you up then, I don't know if you know, you've got any final thoughts or words you wanted to share and, and perhaps at least uh, how people can reach out to you and connect with you. Yeah, I mean, I'm on uh, LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, if you just type in my name, Lizzie Fraser, um, then I should come up. Um, or email me, I'm Lizzie, that's L-I-Z-Z-I-E, at qbinvesting.com. Uh, so yeah, no, just just feel feel, feel free to, to to get in touch. Um, yeah, happy to to connect. 
Perfect. I mean, we'll put all the links to your uh, connections in our show notes, which we share with every episode anyway. So that'll be repeated. But thanks for reading it out it, because some people are doing other things and can't write it down and perhaps we'll re revisit it. Um, but I imagine you'll probably have a few people reaching out to you. Um, and that, that uh, formal networking group out of the informal networking group of women in property might, you know, might be born. Who knows? Yeah. Oh, I should also mention the website as well. Otherwise, my business partners will officially disown me. Um, so that's also www.qbinvesting.com. <laughs> well done. We would have put it in the show notes, show notes, but uh, yeah, it's good to get it in there. And uh, it's well worth a read. And uh, we, we had a quick read and saw, saw your values shining through there. So I think, you know, it's been great chatting to you. Thanks for joining us today all the way from Dubai with uh, the young family behind you and the story that you've you've shared um, on a, sort of the whistle stop that we've been through here, it, I think it is inspirational. And you know, you you tried a few things and then you adapted it. You learned and you you tried a few other things. So I think you know that there's a takeaway there for me just in that alone, which is you know just just try some stuff, get out there. It isn't all about theory. It is about you know practical action and you know maybe make a couple of mistakes along the way. I wasn't suggesting you did, but um, you know. <laughs> So, you know, we, we can fail our way to success is what I'm trying to summarize. And uh, we can refine much more quickly by doing that. So thanks so much for sharing and being transparent with us. It's been great to hear your story, Lizzie. Appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm a big fan. So, yeah, I'm honored to be asked. I'm blushing now. Helen, so you can do, you can do the wrap up. Thanks so much, Lizzie. <laughs> thank you so much Lizzie and um, yeah we wish you uh, the best of uh, success with QB Investing thank you we'll look out for you on the circuit thanks Lizzie we'll speak to you again soon no doubt bye 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 bye, bye, -bye. well we covered quite a wide range of topics there as I'm sure you heard and it's really interesting and fascinating to hear from Lizzie and I think she sounds so full of energy and uh, what you didn't know is that she was speaking quite late at night for her so uh, that was another thing as well so she'd had a fairly full day she would put the kids to bed and then she joined us on the call so you can see the energy level was still up there right at that point in time and um, Lizzie, of course, now is, is co-investing with some investors in the UAE, in Dubai, um, generally speaking, with in, with, uh, on a joint venture basis with developers on the ground in the UK predominantly. So it's an interesting model. And she comes from a, a bank lawyer background um, and has moved to this co-investor model over time. And you heard the story there. And some of the drivers, of course, were that she was a little bit probably frustrated with making other people rich. Uh, but equally wanted a balanced family life as well with her two under two, as she referred to it. So there were some of the drivers there, if you perhaps relate in any way to that. There was quite a lot of she talked about with the business model and the, and the journey that she's been on. But we, when we got to the value section, I really, I'm really fascinated that she talked about being transparent, ethical, complete honesty and sharing uh, constant communication as being quite you know key especially when you're working with other people's money and I wholeheartedly subscribe to that equally she uh, when we talked about authenticity she she made it clear that she's not a fan of the fake it till you make it approach and uh, you can just be you um, I think is a takeaway there 
the um, one of the tips that she had was to surround yourself with some really good females and I guess female role models in property to support you. And of course, Lizzie's got this informal group. I, I don't know if it's a WhatsApp group or something else, but maybe if you'd like to get involved in that, you could perhaps uh, get in touch and uh, find out what it's all about. Some of the future thinking uh, was also interesting to me. I think the modular housing that's going to come downstream and, stream rather, and co-living as well. They're trends. We've been talking about it a little bit on the podcast since last year with the PropTech series. Indeed, I just wrote an article for YPN magazine just this month. And in that, you know, the theme in that magazine, which you'll probably see in about a month or, yeah, the end of next month, is about home um, homes of sorry houses of multiple occupation HMOs, and uh, I decided to take that as an opportunity to look forward and project forward of what HMOs might look like in the future, and co-living was uh, was certainly a central theme in that thought process. So you, you're getting these tips and these messages from different sources. So tune in. And some of the takeaway tips and advice and hacks that uh, Lizzie had. The first one is to lean in. And if you remember, she referenced uh, Sheryl Sandberg's book by the same, with the same title, Lean In. Uh, and so just go out and do it. Don't procrastinate. And the best way to lean in is to get up and go. So if you're feeling just a little bit hesitant, perhaps fearful or unprepared, get in, get involved and get out there. But equally, perhaps connect with other people and particularly women who can support you in that if you happen to be female, of course. And of course, social media is amazing, as, as Lizzie said. Um, I think it's finding your own home in social media. I think it can be a little bit over overwhelming if you have to you know, be constantly spinning plates between all the different channels. So maybe find a home that's right for you, certainly to begin with, and take it from there. So um, I think if you would like to chat with Lizzie, she uh, she mentioned her uh, contacts. I'll put them in the show notes. But I think the, the easiest one to reference right now is her email address, which is Lizzie, with, that's with double Z, at QB, that's Quebec Bravo, investing.com. And as I say, all the, show, all the links in the show notes. And if you're not, you can drop me an email and I'm sure I can put you in touch with Lizzie directly. Okay then, so that, that's all we have time for this week. Uh, if you'd like to talk about anything from today's show or just talk about property investing more generally, you know you can email me and indeed Helen at podcast at thepropertyvoice.net and we'd be more than happy to hear from you. And the show notes can be found over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net, of course. But until, uh, until that, all that's left to say is uh, thank you very much for listening once again this week. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.